Good morning, everyone. Um, this morning's reading um, is the book of Philemon. So this is Paul's letter to Philemon. Um, and there's actually a handout that you can follow. It's even got pictures of, all the, of some of the characters. Um, okay. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Appia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greeting. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, Well, thanks, Heather, and it's um, lovely to be with you this morning. Um, I was with you uh, towards the end of last year. A number of you will recall I just had um, surgery to repair an Achilles tendon. I was whizzing around on a little scooter and things, and I sat out the front to preach. So uh, good to see. I'm very glad to say I'm obviously back up walking. Not quite running. I think I've given up on tennis forever. Uh, But, um, yeah, it is lovely to be here again. As well as the handout that you were given, uh, you'll notice on your seats just a copy of this newsletter. Um, As Jack mentioned, I work for the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students. It's a campus, Christian campus ministry that many of you here are familiar with. Uh, This is our quarterly update, just letting you know a bit about what God is doing amongst students on campus. And in particular, as we start another year, uh, God willing in this COVID environment uh, to be able to meet together to proclaim Christ. I hope you can take that away. Don't read it now, not during the sermon, but take that away and be encouraged by those things. If you have any questions, about that, come and chat either with me or Naomi Grosvenor, uh, who comes to the 11 o'clock service at any point. We'd love to share a bit about uh, the university ministry. 
Uh, I understand that over January you've been making your way through a series uh, with a number of uh, guest preachers or occasional preachers like myself, uh, thinking about what it means uh, to live for God and with God at the centre of your life. And you'll see that today uh, the idea is to think a little bit about Christian family. Um, We're looking at this very short letter of Philemon. I'm going to ask you to take that handout that uh, Heather referred to. You'll see that on one side is the Bible reading with, with the pictures, but I'll actually get you to turn it over because on the second side, uh, you'll find some notes that will help you make sense of what I'm about to do, which is going to be a little bit different from normal. Um, so hopefully you'll find that at least entertaining. Well, hello. My name is Onesimus, and this is my story. Have you ever felt trapped, you know, stuck in a rut, out of options, no way out, no money, crippling debt, on the wrong side of the tracks? I'm a slave. I'm lower than an employee or a hired hand. And so when my master tells me, do this, well, I do it. If he says, jump, I say, how high? Because if I disobey... Well, the law says that he can do with me whatever he wants because he owns me like a piece of property. He can beat me, even to death. Believe me, I've seen it happen. I'm Onesimus. I'm a slave. And so one day, I'd finally had enough and I decided it was time to run away. I saw an opportunity and I took it. I ran, but not surprisingly, I got caught and thrown into jail. And there, well, this changed my life. I met a guy called Paul. Paul was a Christian. He told me about this person, Jesus, who he worshipped. And in the end, I'm just so thankful to God for Paul because he treated me with dignity and respect. Cared for me like I was his own son. And eventually, in time, I too became a Christian, like he is. And when I did, I continued to serve him and to care for him, because both of us were still in prison. Uh, After all, I'm a slave. That's what slaves do. They care for others. In fact, did you know that my name, Onesimus, it actually means useful. But here's the thing. After a while, Paul decided that it was time to send me back. Back to my master, whom I'd run away from. When I begged him not to, he said the reason why was because even if God has forgiven all my sins... I still have to face the consequences of my actions. And to be honest, I'm utterly terrified. And before I left, Paul read me the letter that he's given me to give to Philemon so that I know what it says. I'm a slave, I can't read, right? But he's given me the letter and he's read it out. And the incredible thing is that he's asking Philemon if he will take me, Onesimus, the runaway slave, back, not as a slave anymore, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Now, I don't need to point out to you that there are, of course, any number of problems with the request that Paul is making of Philemon. Firstly, 
Uh, when I did the runner, um, I might have accidentally, deliberately, on purpose, nicked a few things just to help me on my way. You know, I needed some resources. Uh, but incredibly, Paul has offered to repay all my debts. And the second problem, of course, is that Philemon, well, Philemon, he's a wealthy man. That's why he can afford slaves. In fact, his house is big enough to host an entire church, apparently. Philemon is no fool. He's a successful businessman. And I'm pretty sure he knows that if word got out that slaves could just abscond whenever they felt like it and then be welcomed back, well, he wouldn't be wealthy for very long. The third problem is that if I were in Philemon's shoes, well, I wouldn't be inclined to be particularly lenient because I hate it when people take advantage of me. So there are the problems with what Paul is asking of Philemon. On the positive side is the fact that, well, I didn't know this, Paul converted Philemon once upon a time, apparently years ago. And as a result, it means that in a funny kind of way, Philemon and I are brothers in more than one sense of the word. We do share the same heavenly father, but at the same time, what Paul says, I presume, will be deeply significant to him. Uh, And as Paul keeps assuring me, a slave who's become a Christian and is given a second chance at life might just do amazing things for God. After all, Paul told me his story. Once upon a time, before he became a Christian, he used to hunt down Christians, have them thrown in jail, executed where he could. Look who he is today. Well, having said all that... Paul's request to Philemon still sounds pretty far-fetched. But at least it's given me the courage. The courage I need to start walking back and to face the music. So I'm on my way. I'm on my way back to see what will happen. Now, of course, the great irony in this whole situation is that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He could have used his apostolic authority, the fact that he converted Philemon even, to order Philemon to take me back. You know, I reckon he probably could have gotten away with that. Instead, here's what he's asking him to do. He's politely asking Philemon to take me back on the basis of love. On the basis of love. Which of all, of course, sounds all very fine and well and noble and laudable if you're not the one who's the meat in the sandwich who they're talking about. I mean, why didn't Paul just say to Philemon, just do it, it's the right thing, and then I'd be okay? Thing is, as I've had time to think about this even more, I've realised just how wise Paul is. See, I think what he's saying is that the only reason why Christians do anything is because of love. After all, Jesus did say to love God, love your neighbour as yourself, and that's pretty much the basis for how we're to live. But I presume the reason why he's emphasising that to Philemon is because guilt and obligation, well, they're not very good long-term motivators. I mean, I don't know about you, 
but I can speak for myself, how well does being told you must do this or you shall not do this work for you? How excited are you by the prospect? How sustainable is that? In fact, I can't help but wonder, since becoming a Christian, as I've looked around and met a few other Christians, I can't help but wonder if this is why so many of them seem to have long faces and why so many pagans around us don't want to become Christians when all they see are believers saddled with more and more rules they think they have to keep. The funny thing is, Paul actually sounds convinced that Philemon is going to grant his request. He talks about being confident of his obedience. So much so, in fact, that he's even asked Philemon to do even more than Paul is asking for and to send me, Onesimus, back again to Paul. Because if he were to do so, Paul says it would refresh his heart. A lovely phrase, isn't it? To refresh someone's heart by being with them. In fact, I think what Paul is saying, Paul is saying to Philemon that he can show his love for Paul by sending me, the runaway slave who he's entitled to keep, back to minister to the apostle. And so, in fact, That's the most radical discovery I've made since becoming a Christian. I, Onesimus, a runaway slave, I'm still trying to comprehend all this. I'm discovering that love for others means putting their needs before your own. Seems to me that by definition, love must cost you something. Love must cost you something money, or time, or reputation. Because if it never costs you anything, then there's always a risk that your actions are just driven by self-interest. Either because you want payback, or because you're running scared. I'm a slave. I've mentioned that a few times, right? I'm a slave... I know all about fearing your master's wrath better than most. But I think what Paul is saying is that the reason why love is even remotely possible is because we have everything because of Christ. And that means we can freely give to others who are more needy. The interesting thing about this letter is that although it's addressed to Philemon, Paul has actually written it to the whole church. Do you notice that? It starts by being something for the entire church, not just him. I guess he's saying that he wants Philemon to know that everyone is going to hear what Paul is saying. It's as if... Paul is reminding Philemon that ultimately there's no such thing as a private matter in the Christian family. In fact, in the Christian family, 
our relationship with other believers is more important than any other relationship. More important than slavery, than marriage, or blood. Now, that takes a lot of getting used to. I'm a slave, which means it's taking me time to get used to being addressed as a brother. But the extraordinary thing is that Christians use that phrase, brother or sister, for anyone who believes, no matter how well they know them, even if they've only just met. And I presume that means that Jesus' words about not idolising family, they're a huge challenge. They're a huge challenge in our society, which, to use a phrase, always says you put family first. I don't think Jesus is saying that you ought to ignore your biological family, but I think what he's saying is that your Christian family is even more fundamental than that. And the one of the good news, of course, is that Jesus invited us into his. Well, my name is Onesimus, and this is my story. I'm wondering what's going to happen to me when I eventually get back home again. To be honest, I don't know. So can I ask you to please pray? Please pray for me. Please pray that I don't get what I deserve. I'm a runaway slave. Whatever comes to me is my due. But please pray that I don't get what I deserve. I know that one day I'll have everything in Christ, but right here, right now, I am a runaway slave. So if I'm punished, or if I suffer in this life for what I have done, please pray that it never impairs my long-term vision and my desire to serve my Heavenly Father forever. While you're praying, can I ask you, please pray for my master, Philemon? No guesses as to what I want you to pray? Please pray that God's love would compel him to forgive me my debts, to accept me as a brother, and if possible, to send me back to Paul. Yes, I realise I'm going to benefit in all of this, but please pray that for Philemon as well. Would you pray also... For Paul, thank God for his wisdom, even if it's hard to believe or understand at times. I've heard a rumour that apparently Peter thinks that Paul's letters are hard to understand, and, you know, I can get that. But please pray for Paul, and thank God for the way in which he is helping us to see what it means to follow Christ. And finally... Can I ask you please to pray for believers everywhere? Not just now, but in the years ahead. That they would be like Christ and that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with their spirits and that they will continue to do so even when Paul isn't here to teach them personally. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's been written for us and for our salvation. We pray that as we reflect and meditate on it, that you might teach us more of what Christ is like and show us how that changes everything in the way in which we are to live. Amen.